But when you have like Mark Zuckerberg in congressional hearings, these old congressmen can't even understand Facebook. Well, how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. So you mean to tell me that these people are going to understand blockchain and crypto? You're kidding me. Not a freaking chance. And a day later, the hacker contacted them. And guess who it was? It was a literal 16-year-old boy saying, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I did. But I'll return all your money. And he returned all the money. Decentralization is not the way. You just can't live in a world where everybody's opinion matters or everybody has a voice to get one thing done. What's up, Seed Phrase? Welcome back to another week where we round up all the opportunities in crypto, NFTs, and what's happening in the media. We have a new member here. His name is Alex. He's going to put us on to the hottest opportunity in crypto right now for this episode. But before we get started, I want to make something very clear. Seed Phrase is not selling anything. We don't have a product. We don't have a course. We're just three nerds that think crypto is the hottest opportunity right now. We want to share that with you. We noticed in the market, people are talking super technical. They're talking boring shit. So we sat down and said, we're going to make this accessible to the regular person. And that is all we're here to do. So without further ado, let's get started with Alex. Head of research right here. Alex has been giving us a lot of gems internally, obviously, for those of you guys who keep up with the email. Uh, the data comes from Alex. He's the smart and the brains on the team here. So, Alex, we were talking earlier this week about, obviously, some low-cap coins. We're talking about some metaverse coins, things to look into and where to put our money. So, I know you got something for me here. Talk to me. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on. Um, so, the topic of today is I found uh, Cedify Fund, which is a blockchain gaming launch pad. So they specify an offering IGOs, which stands for initial game offerings. And so they basically provide value to the community investors by and token holders by giving them access to IGOs hosted on their Cedify launchpad. An IGO is a method of uh, raising capital for the development of their project. So Cedify is obviously down from their all-time high significantly, which is... Uh, Possibly a good investment opportunity, but me personally, I'm kind of staying on the sidelines because I think this market will continue to get bearish, but it could lead to substantial gains long-term uh, if you invest now. I mean, I personally recommend dollar-costing average into uh, investments. Don't ape into everything. Obviously, do your research, uh, not financial advice. Do uh, <laughs> your due diligence. Um, You're saying all the words, Alex. I just want to interrupt you for one second. So before we talk about Cedify and the opportunity it presents to investors and to developers and creators, let's just talk about what is a launchpad because I think a lot of people don't know what that is and why it's a good opportunity. So can you explain what a launchpad is to begin with? Sure. So a launchpad is where a, a potential project will be releasing their uh uh, initial tokens or NFTs. So it's like giving them the platform to access uh, uh, customers and investors. Yeah, so the way I think about it, it's like Shark Tank, but for like crypto and NFT projects. So they pitch their project and then we either decide to invest in it on that launch pad or not. Is that correct? Yep, absolutely. Okay. And so one thing that uh, Cedify does is very unique is that they're a community-oriented project. So they have not taken any... Uh, venture capital money they haven't taken it's all community driven 
So what they do is they're uh, DAO driven, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, which means that the community decides on which projects they will fund, which gaming projects they'll fund. So how it works is in terms of this project is that a potential uh, gaming uh, blockchain project will apply for Cedify. And then therefore it'll go through the DAO. And then if they're able to get 80% approval from the community, they will then receive 75,000 of funding to grow and build their project. So in simple terms, basically it starts off step one, a company or project will apply to Cedify, then the DAO will vote. And if they get 80% yes of, of all the votes, then they will get the funding. And then from that funding, they'll be able to then be listed on the Cedify launch pad and or incubator for new projects. And then after that, there's the distribution of tokens to the stakers and community of basically the initial investors. And then going from there, there you'll see the relocation of funding for resources of new projects. So basically what Cedify does is they basically deals with these new projects is they'll take 3% of the initial token that the new gaming project will, will list. So that's how they make money on their end. So obviously they have employees, which I looked on their LinkedIn, they have 50 something employees. So they have people they need to pay. They're, they're obviously building, they have a pretty impressive team. So, I mean, everyone needs to make money somehow. So that's, that's kind of how they benefit. And on top of that, 25% of the tokens generated from the incubation project will go to the token holders, the people that are staking. So the people that are putting up the initial investment first will be able to benefit and get that you know reward because they were the early investors. So they're entitled to that. And then going forward from that, another 15% of the tokens will be given to community involvement. So this is where I think it gets interesting is, you know, everyone's talking about Web3 decentralized, you know, we don't want, you know, big people having influence. But as a result of having 15% allocated to community involvement, it's incentivizing people to basically get attached, get involved and give their two cents, give their opinion, have different people, those expertise come in and basically talk about where the project is not doing so good things and also what they're doing well and where they can improve. So it basically brings in multiple people like uh, blockchain professionals, uh, smart contract developers to basically help the team grow and uh, really turn this project into a successful gaming, uh, uh, you know, for the, for the many users to, to be able to play. I'm listening to you and, you know, obviously, well, not obviously, I'm not going to generalize, but as a girl, I'm not into gaming. I don't understand it. But what I do know is that it's a huge industry gaming on its own. What does crypto and putting gaming on a blockchain do that makes it so special? Why do investors care? Why is this important, basically? So it's funny because I was having this conversation uh, with an actual VC the other day. Um, and from the VC's eyes, right? He was telling me like, hey, here's the, here's the main issue we're seeing right now in gaming. Gaming is a big industry, right? But also it's a generalized industry in terms of age. Like you're not seeing grown men play games, right? Then you compare that to the NFT and crypto industry right now, right? As in the graphic, there is a lot of grown adults, obviously, in the industry. And there's also a lot of games. But... The correlation isn't there yet in terms of gaming and crypto because of multiple reasons. One is the demographic, right? In real world gaming, it's not grown men and adults that are trying to, you know, create communities to be together and play games and have fun. Two is all the games that are in crypto right now are made specifically for crypto audience only, meaning 
if you take a look at the industry right now, like you see Sandbox or Ape or whatever the case may be, like all these games are one, very new. Two, they're just only building for crypto people, meaning there's no entertainment. Everybody's just trying to build a play to earn product. Like, hey, come play, come earn money, and then it gets burned out. We've seen it with Axie. We've seen it with Sandbox. We've seen it with a lot of these other games as well. So the 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 reason why it's a big untapped industry or there's a lot of obviously opportunity in it is for the simple reason that one gaming is already so huge like it's a multi-billion dollar company if we take a look at one of the biggest game team uh like esports phase right i don't know if you guys know but they just launched at a 700 million market cap on the public market like that's the first company in the gaming to do that so that obviously paves a way for a lot of other people to be like hey there's obviously a lot of opportunity here. If, if it's just an esport that's getting valued at that much, then imagine the game actually going public. That's going to only drive revenue, user base, so on and so forth. So to answer your question, I think I answered it somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the correlation, at least from my seat. But do you see gaming growing as an industry in crypto or does it hit a wall because of the demographic where it's not you know, like your sister, it's not crypto's not accessible to kids. I know your sister is 15. Yeah. She tried to buy some crypto, ran into some KYC blockage because you have to be 18 to buy crypto. So that's a huge issue right there. Like I babysit this kid. He's 11. Every day I take him home and he jumps on Fortnite as soon as we get home. He's not going to be able to like do play to earn games. He's too young for that. So how do you get over that? Yeah, I think. Crypto gaming is only going to boom when companies start building a game first and then add Web3 technology in it. It has to be a fun game first before anything else and build the audience there. And then from there, allow that audience to grow into the crypto slash NFT side of things. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Mo. I mean, you know, when you have a game that, you know, attracts a lot of people because they just genuinely enjoy to play the game. And then on top of that, the beauty of Web3 is from play to earn is that they'll be able to get actually paid in a financial incentive for playing these games. So it's not only they enjoy playing the game, they're getting paid to do it. So that's kind of the next step in gaming because these gaming industries are worth billions and billions of dollars. And, you know, people pay so much money on skins, you know, different avatars and, and weapons, and they don't truly own it. They're just essentially renting it. But through NFTs and blockchain, you know, if they see, if they're playing, let's say a game, let's say for, I'll, I'll use Fortnite, for example. They're running around. They're like, oh, and this this fourteen year old kid sees a, this uh, other player with a gun. He's like, I love this gun. I really want to own this gun. He'll be able to eventually message this person and say, hey, I want to purchase this weapon from you. And then they'll be able to swap ownership for a monetary value, which is huge because now people are going to be start be able to make money. And because I'll be honest, the video game industry is totally robbing the users. But through blockchain and Web three, this kind of changes this the the atmosphere a little bit and gives incentive for just any ordinary person to start making money for their time. Yeah. And I just want to add in here, um, there is a Cetify return on investment tracker. So like you mentioned, projects get to pitch their project. And if they get vote the 80% vote, they get to launch in that incubation, right? So there's a tracker for seeing which projects are doing well. And I just want to share with you guys the opportunity here. Um, there are some projects on this list that have done a 700x. If you had invested in that project, you would have had a 700x return. I mean, you're averaging here about 10x on the ROIs in the Cetify gaming industry. But that, keep in mind, that's in the bull market. So right now, bear market, you might be lucky if you get a 5x or a 10x here. 
What I would do if I were you is stack your Cedify tokens right now and invest once the bull run starts again and watch your money 700x. That's a great example. On average, if you're looking at the higher numbers, it's like a 200x, 20x. Those are great numbers. So this is an opportunity to research and understand why these games are getting such a high rate of return. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm looking at CoinMarketCap right now. And if you just go through the gaming or metaverse section, like literally almost every elite or at least known respectable project is up minimum 2x, right? And 100%. Yeah. The reason why we're talking about Cedify right now in the first place is they launched a new staking program that's literally like, I'm looking at it right now, Cedify is up 20% today only, right? On the month, it's up about 113% as of right now. So that goes to show that obviously they're building during a bear market. And again, this is this video is not sponsored by Cedify. I just think it's a really good pick that uh, I'm going to be investing some money into. So, yeah, I mean, that's a huge green flag building during the bear market. Like most projects, most things right now in this space are pulling back because they're scared to build. They're scared to put themselves out there in these conditions. Cedify is one of the only players that's still innovating, still building. They're building their NFT market. They're building their metaverse. Like it's definitely a good play to look into. Okay, let me ask you guys this. So, Alex, if we're looking at a coin like this, what red flags do we see? And then Parisa, tell me what green flags do you see to make a decision on whether this would be a smart decision to put some money on or not? Okay, so red flags is that on August 4th, they're uh, basically they have the 180 day deposit to earn a 90% APY, which on August 4th, that deal basically comes off the table. You have up until then to basically allocate your tokens and achieve 90% APY. One red flag is 90% APY. You know, that's awfully high. It's like, where's this money coming from? How do they guarantee you're going to get that return? And it's almost as if like, okay, you have only a few days to hop right in. It's It kind of sounds almost desperate, right? That they're trying to get people to come in. And they're trying to be like, oh, they're trying to throw you that high incentive, but what's the catch? Um, you know, it's, it's you know, it's it, it, do they, are they struggling? And they're just trying to get hype and attention because it's a bear market and they could use a little more funding. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of a red flag for me. Um, you know, it's not unheard of in crypto for that high APY because, you know, you're an early investor in a, a project and a company. So it's rightfully so you're going to see high returns. But at the end of the day, it just kind of brings up a question. It's like, where, how do they come up with that number? How do they, you know, where, where is the, the money coming from? So that's just, that kind of just uh, jogs my curiosity for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I always wonder, you know, I'm a bit of a Bitcoin maxi. So when I hear staking, that's a red flag to me immediately. We know staking is inflationary inherently. So you're just creating more tokens for someone for locking up their tokens. Where are those tokens coming from? It just sounds fishy to me, but that's just me. Green flags for Cedify um, is actually that they're phasing out the staking pool, right? Like you just mentioned, they're going to take away that 180 day, 90% APY. And they're coming up with this new system of passive income, which if you're, if you're a hustler, if you're looking to make money, passive income should be sparking your interest right now. Um, so instead of staking and getting rewards, you get to invest into these projects and you get a percentage distribution back. 
So that system makes a lot more sense. It takes out that inflationary aspect of staking and brings back in a business model that makes sense. You invest in a project that does well, you get a percentage back, everyone wins, everyone's happy. Another green flag is what we just touched on, which is most projects, most players in the crypto NFT space right now are not doing shit. If anything, they're laying off people. They are having horrible quarters. Um, but Cedify is building. Cedify is building out their metaverse. Cedify is building out an NFT market. They're improving their tokenomics. Um, those are all green flags to me because you're investing into the developers. You're investing into the people behind the project, and they clearly care. They're clearly innovating. And just to put out a stat right now, uh, their downtrend has broken. So if you look at the graph, it was going 20x under their all-time high recently, but now it's up 84% during this relief rally. So it's still 10x under all-time high, but it's having an incredible relief rally. I wouldn't buy during this rally, but it's a good sign that it has a longevity there. And yeah, and if it can make some noise, obviously, during times like this, then imagine you know what it can do when there's actually more people looking to throw money uh, during a bull market. So from what I'm gathering from both of you guys, I would say it's making noise and might be a good investment. If you can afford to lose money, that wouldn't be a bad place to put it. Yeah, I actually, I, I, that is accurate. And, you know, I've been doing my own research on Cedify and for our viewers, for anyone listening, I want to open up four opportunities for you to make money with Cedify. Do your research into this. I'm just tipping you off and starting that research for you. So the first way is super simple. You buy, you hold, you wait until the bull run starts and you sell. I wouldn't buy right now during the relief rally. I would set this on a watch list because right now it's at around 250. All-time high was 1650. I would set it and wait for 150, okay? And even if the bull run doesn't get back to its $16 all-time high, even if it goes up to $8, so half of its all-time high, you're nearly 10xing your money by just holding and waiting for this to run again. Um, you know, like we said, gaming is an enormous industry. I think there's huge promise with Cedify and its competitors don't really compare, but you should research them such as Gamify. Number two, second way you can make money with Cedify is by staking your tokens. Alex, you probably know more about this, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about their staking system. Um, you know, I know they have it from seven days staking all the way to 180 days. Can you talk about the return that that gives you? Yeah, absolutely. So staking is essentially just depositing your tokens to verify the network, to solidify and strengthen the security of the network. Um, so they offer 7, 14, 30, 60, 90, and 180 day staking. Like I said, the 180 day staking opportunity ends August 4th and that yields uh, 90% APY, which is a significant number. So I'll go, I'll touch on the seven day. Seven day staking is you'll earn 5% APY. 14 day staking, you'll earn 11% APY. 30 day, 25% APY. 60 day, 55% APY. 90 day, 75% APY. Me personally, I, I the initial thought I had is, you know, create different wallets and kind of just allocate different funds for the seven day, 14 day, 30 day. That way you're basically short term locking in profit. And then then you could, you know, take the chance on the longer, you know, longer time uh, for the higher APY profit potential. 
Um, this yeah, is just I agree with you. Just secure your funds in a bear market, you know, with a lot of uncertainty. You know, that way, you know, five percent in a seven-day period is is fantastic. You know, swing traders are happy to make that money in that time of day. Absolutely. That so it's it's definitely uh, impressive returns. It's just uh, obviously uh, risk allocation and just being mindful of you know, that this is you know nothing is a lock and this project is it seems very promising, but you know nothing is of certainty for sure. Right. Absolutely. And so going off of that, if you stake your tokens, you're making more tokens just by having your money locked up. Right. So the third way you can make money with Cedify is by using your tokens to participate in new launches. So IGOs, NFTs, you can invest in the ones that you think are going to be winning ones and watch the rate of return. Like I said, in the bull run, we saw a 700x return. That was the highest. The lowest was a 2x. So there's a lot of potential there. Obviously, again, in a bear market, you can't have those expectations, but it's another avenue to double your money. And the fourth way to make money with Cedify is the incubation project. So if you're a holder of Cedify, you get staking points, which give you free incubation tokens. So there's a lot of routes of opportunity with Cedify. It is not a bad idea to go in and research it, at least. So building off of that, actually, Parisa, so by holding the S fund token, you'll basically have, there's a tier system they have. So basically the more tokens they can hold. All right. So the last way you can make money with Cedify is through the incubation projects, which is like, if you're a holder of Cedify, you get staking points as a reward, and that gives you free incubation tokens. So to wrap it up here, Cedify has so many avenues to make money. It's not a bad idea to start researching. But let's talk about what else is going on in this market, because I know a lot has happened in the last week. What's caught your attention, you guys? Gary Vee raised $50 million. Okay, not at valued at $50 million. This guy raised $50 million for his NFT company, V Friends. If you're new to NFTs or you're new to Gary Vee, you should probably do research. You'll probably get bombarded with him for the rest of your life. What Gary Vee's doing, though, is he's really building out IP before anything else. Like, if you take a look at everything this guy's done so far, it's really more about bringing life to not only people in the NFT com community, but also going back to that aspect of like, hey, he's trying to bring in kids, right? He's attracting the major audience and the major, I guess, uh, consumers, right? Which is young, uh, like kids, children between the ages of, I don't know, 10 to 18 or even sometimes younger with the stuff that he's doing. And some people are like, hey, this art sucks, which, I mean, if we take a look at it, it's not the best art in the world. But again, it's appealing to the masses, right? So he's doing collectible. He's doing toys. He's doing um, books, right? He's doing all these types of things where I'd be curious to see where it goes uh, long term. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he gets acquired by a company like Disney or one of these big cartoon companies. Uh, companies in the world yeah i mean i'm a big huge fan of gary v like before i knew what nfts were i knew who gary v was just because of the content he puts out so much fucking content he puts out so much fucking content like and it's all so positive and inspiring like he just makes you feel good and he motivates you to do well in life all of that so anything gary v does i'm behind it 100 percent because i know he's not gonna let it fail especially when it comes to nfts he's a huge advocate of NFTs and their potential. And I think VFriends is different from almost any other NFT project because I'm going to bring up a word Mo hates, which is utility. 
And I think vFriends actually has utility like vCon. It's an in real life event. NFT vFriends holders get to go to. They get to listen to Gary V have inspiring talks, talk to other big names in the industry and in many other industries. You get a lot of value from going. Like, why wouldn't you invest in vFriends if you had the opportunity to? I don't know, but I'm definitely going to back Gary V in any venture he does. At the same time, I want to bring up a point as investors, anyone listening to this, something you should be mindful of when you're investing in an NFT project specifically, which is that if a project has a single point of failure, that is a big risk. So with vFriends, without Gary V, it's nothing. It's all based around Gary V, right? That's the single point of failure with vFriends. I don't think it's going to fail. I'm betting my money that Gary V won't fail with vFriends. But I still understand that there is that risk there. So let's look at what happened with Minecraft last week, right? They banned NFTs and NFT World was a huge project that was based all around Minecraft. At one point, NFT World had an 18 ETH floor. And there's so many projects that were building on top of it. But what happened? It had that one point of failure, which was if it, Minecraft didn't let them build in there, it's done. And that's what happened. It exploded in their faces, that single point of failure. Anyone who holds NFT world is completely screwed. It doesn't, doesn't have any value because you can't use it. So just be mindful of that. Another way to be mindful of that is when you're investing in an NFT project, don't invest in the ones that only have one founder. Because when you're minting an NFT, that's where you make the money. After mint, that one founder doesn't have much of a reason to keep going. So they'll just move on to the next. That's another single point of failure to watch out. By the way, I do own a vFriends too. And I'm just going to put this out there. I signaled to my alpha chat uh, or one of the chats that I was in NFT worlds when it was at 1.3 ETH and we wrote it all the way up to like nine ETH. Just putting that out there. <laughs> and I have screenshots Dope. actually, just funny, you know. Oh, and he has receipts. Got the receipts. <laughs> you bring the receipts. All out. right. What else, Alex? Uh, Tell me what's okay, grabbed cool. your what attention this week. The, the the biggest topic I think that is you know personally on my mind, but I think on uh, thousands of people's minds is all these hacks going on. With yesterday mm. was the Nomad hack, which was close to two hundred million dollar hack because there's a bridge exploit. Uh, you know, so that that's you know, it's like wh wh who's 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 safe, who's not safe, and then we had yesterday. At 8 p.m. Eastern, we had the whole Phantom Wallet, uh, Trust Wallet hack, and people lost close to $8 million so far. And no one has any idea where this hack's coming from. No one, like even the most bright people, brightest people in the space that have, you know, knowledge of blockchain, smart contracts, coding, they couldn't even figure it out. Everyone's just scratching their heads like, what's going on here? So it's like red flag. It's like everyone's like, okay, you know. So the first alternative to, to avoid this is obviously cold storage, ledger, keep all your assets there or on a central uh, uh, a centralized exchange. But even that, you know, we've seen that kind of sometimes not blow up in people's face. Not safe. Just get a ledger. <laughs> yeah. But long story short, yes, get a, get a ledger is the safest alternative. But uh, it's it's definitely concerning that, you know, we see a hack and no one has any idea what's what's happening, where it's coming from. So it's it's tough to build trust in this space. And I'm, my concern is that we're going to lose a lot of people in crypto that they'll never come back because you know they lost a lot and it's just like they're like screw this like i'm done like i lost thousands of dollars and like you know i, I put in a lot of money and this is just i'm not doing this ever again 
Yeah, I got this crazy theory that some of these hacks are actually planned by people like within those companies or within those systems. I could be wrong. Obviously, if it, it I, I'm probably wrong, but I just have a theory because the crypto space is so manipulated and it sucks to say that a lot of these hacks are planned for one way or another. And it's not by the people we think. What do you guys think? What do you mean by that? Like inside job? Yeah, yeah, like inside jobs. I don't know why. Well, what do they it's have like, to it's gain? So common, right? It happens so yeah. much where it doesn't make sense. Like the way I look at it, and this might be a bad analogy, is kind of like the government pulling strings to make something go a specific way, right? Or to conquer or make money on a specific opportunity. So it's like a company like Solana, and then you see obviously like all these other huge hacks, like these are millions and millions of dollars. It's like, how can you not learn? Like, how are you this big with this much money with the amount of talent that you can afford or already have? How can you not be prepared for someone like this? How can you not see this coming? Right? And it's like happening yeah. every single week. And it's like, dude. So, so let me ask you, just so like you brought up that analogy, pulling the string. So we're in a bear market. You know, people aren't making as much money. Transaction fees are down. So you think Phantom is like, oh, crap, we're not making as much money. We have everyone's private keys. Let's exploit them. You know, we need to make some capital, raise some capital because we're hurting the last few months. So we're just going to totally screw everyone, all our users, but discreetly, you know, take their funds. Is, is that what you're getting at, Mo? It sounds crazy, but yeah, literally. Shit, man. Well, uh, and then like, how do you like, like you're, there's, the, the confidence of anyone in this space is like, it's just poof, gone. You know, it's like, you know, you trust Phantom, MetaMask, all these people to, you know, hold your assets. They're decentralized. So they're not, you know, dictated by any outside third party uh, forces. But the insiders are, are the ones screwing us. Yeah. Well, here's I mean, what here's I don't like bit. about it is because like decentralization is not the way. I'm just going to say this right now. Like, I love the idea of decentralization, but nothing decentralized is going to work without a centralized power, right? You just can't live in a world where everybody's opinion matters or everybody has a voice to get one thing done. Like, this, again, may sound crazy, but it's like, how are you going to count on hundreds and thousands of people to make one thing, right? You can't because there's no way in hell that thousands of people are going to agree on one thing. So it's like decentralization is but you need some type of centralized power to say, hey, if things go wrong, I take responsibility. If things go right, I take responsibility. But right now you don't have that. So it's like, okay, things go wrong. They voted on the wrong thing. Who's taking responsibility? Oh, it wasn't. Oh, it's okay, guys. We'll move on. We all did this together. We all went through this together. We can go through it again. Right. So I mean, yeah, but first of all, we're not relying on people, relying on computers, computer codes to run. That, that's what decentralization is. Yeah. It's course. not re relying on people, it's relying on computer code. Computer code doesn't have an opinion. But the people putting the code do. Right. That's okay. True. Well, well I, then I, that I, brings I, me to my next point, which is that on, on. all the more reason Alex. that I want to hear Alex. What are you all right, go ahead. You know, that, that's, that's funny you bring that up, Mo, about how, like, you know, someone needs to point a finger. And I think that's human nature, right? People are like, you know, they want to be able to point a finger and say, you know, you were the cause. You're the reason why this went to shit, you know. You know, it gives them, like, a reason for something to occur. And, like, it, it kind of gives people, uh, I guess, closure. So I, I agree that there needs to be a certain uh, accountability measure that, you know, people will be able to say, okay, I fucked up. I take ownership. This, this is my doing. And this is how I'm going to do better. This is how I'm going to build off this so this mistake never happens again. So 
So I think people need to have answers and not, instead of saying like, oh, the computer code had a glitch. I mean, it's like, you know, p- people need to take responsibility and ownership. I mean, this is like, it's like Frankenstein. This is the monster you built. You got to take, you got to, you got to own it. You got to own your error. Yeah. Like imagine, okay, listen to this, right? Listen to this. Imagine your money's in a bank, all right? You go to pull your bank, your money at the bank and they're like, hey, sorry guys, the vault sunk in the ocean and we can't get it. That's literally what's going on. It's not our fault. It's just the vault just fell into the bottom of the ocean and we can't get it. And that's what I'm literally seeing in crypto right now. It's like, hey, yeah, we're an exchange. Hey, yeah, we're a big crypto company. Hey, yeah, we're a coin. But uh, yeah, sorry, guys. We got hacked. We don't know where. Just blame it on the computer. We're going to try to get a new one. It's like, okay, like, are we going to learn? Are we going to do something different that's going to help us not fall into the same situation? Because every time like a hack happens, what the company comes out, hey, sorry, guys, we're looking into it. Unfortunately, we were a target of a hack. The system failed us. Okay, (laughs) so what's the solution? I'll tell you the solution. You guys are making a very strong case for regulation is what you're doing. Without regulation, that's why these things happen. We need clear regulation. We need, as much as people say, keep the government out of crypto, keep the government out of Web3. If you want that, then these things are going to happen. That's what you want. You have to you have to sacrifice a bit of privacy, a bit of freedom in order to have more security. And this is not a new dilemma. This is an age old dilemma in history. Like, like you can look at it, how governments are formed. There's always the debate of government power between giving people, giving citizens security and giving citizens freedom. And we're just seeing that dilemma all over again in crypto. It's not new. And we need to decide, like, are we going to allow $200 million to be hacked and no one to be responsible? Or are we going to ask for regulation that holds people accountable, holds entities accountable, and has a rule of law so it's not the Wild West out here where people are losing their life savings to who knows, to who knows what? I mean, let me tell you a story. My One of my good girlfriends, she was dating a guy who had a huge NFT project. I won't say the name. And they did really well, okay? You guys probably don't even know it, but during the bull run, most projects did well, and this just happened to one of them, okay? It's run by two friends. They minted out, had a roadmap they were building, but hadn't done anything yet. And they were hacked, completely hacked, Wallet drained, nothing left. And a day later, the hacker contacted them. And guess who it was? It was a literal 16-year-old boy saying, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I did, but I'll return all your money. And he returned all the money. That is a very lucky situation. But this is a true story. It was a 16-year-old boy that hacked them. Like, without regulation, it's the Wild West. Yeah, like you, ever, you guys say. ever ask yourself why these companies aren't insured in a sense? Like, okay, Solana Phantom last night, right? What you said that amount was like eight million dollars, right? I know like up to eight thousand wallets got drained. Shouldn't there, be, shouldn't there be some type of insurance on crypto, like, or at least on these companies? Like, hey, we're a company, we're holding your money. If we lose it, we're responsible to give you the money back. But that doesn't exist right now, and it's like, why? When is that going to happen? I'll tell you why. I worked at a law firm. Insurance really comes down to law. What is the law? Like in Massachusetts, where I am, the insurance law is fucking crazy here. And I worked at a firm where we dealt with insurance companies often. The law is not clear enough right now to develop 
insurance for these things. The law needs to be crystal clear in order to have an insurance company in the first place. So we need to backtrack and see what framework we're working with before we can have the securities in place like that. Yeah, a few things come to mind is obviously, I think that's what's truly preventing mainstream adoption is that insurance aspect. How do you safeguard in case someone gets hacked? Like, you know, let's, you know, these banks insure what up to, I believe, $250,000. I might be wrong, it might be $150,000, but they insure to a certain amount of money. Crypto doesn't have that yet. And until we get there, we won't be mainstream. People won't feel comfortable. Like main Web2 companies, banks, you know, you know, financial companies will not even touch this stuff until there's that legitimacy insurance factor. So like you said, Parisa, there's, uh, you know, until there's regulation and true definition of what blockchain is, we're, we're, we're far from there. Me personally, I think we're three to five years away. Um, but the issue is, is that how do you how do you define this stuff? It's we're like in chapter one of this space. It's so new. It's it's so such the beginning of this technology that we just don't know where it's going to end up. You know, for example, when you have like Mark Zuckerberg in congressional hearings, these old congressmen can't even understand Facebook, the concept of social media. So you mean to tell me that these people are going to understand blockchain and crypto? You're kidding me. Not a freaking chance. <laughs> but that's why you hire experts and advisors, right? Like they don't need to be the experts. Google the experts. And then you have all these old old geezers on, on in Congress that are asking these questions. So how, how do you type a tweet? How do you do this? It's like, it's like they can't even figure that out. So it's like until we truly get more you know, concrete definitions of, you know, stable coins, blockchain, transactions. Uh, and then also, like you said, the insurance aspect. I mean, we're, we're so far away before, you know, mainstream adoption occurs. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but Gary Gensler, the SEC chairman, he actually uh, taught a course at MIT about blockchain technology. So if anyone's an expert, it's Gary. Um, I'm actually going to start a series where I'm going to take the course. It's completely free. Um, if you just look up MIT Gary Gensler blockchain course, it'll come up. I'm going to take the course and I'm going to break it down uh, day by day for you guys. So that'll be interesting. But it's not like the government's completely void of experts in this space. There are some, of course, not the majority, but there are some. July 30th was the first day that NFT volume was lower year over year. And yes, I know NFTs are such a new space to measure it year over year doesn't mean much, but let me set the stage for you. There are more accounts made on OpenSea right now than there was a year ago. Okay. And at the same time, Ethereum, what NFTs thrive on has hit new recent highs. It's almost double its last low. Ethereum is pumping right now. So other markets, the other aspects of NFTs, which is Ethereum and user base, is doing relatively well, and yet NFT sales are at their lowest. What does this mean to you guys? I think a few things. Um, I'm looking at some stats here as well, like volume from last month is down about 3%. Um, so on a month to month, it's not bad. Now, what's interesting is the majority of the volume right now is actually going towards game, collectibles, and utility NFT projects based off the graph that I'm seeing here right in front of me. So, again, the people that are in the space now that are still spending money in the space now are the people who've been around for quite a while or are very bullish on the future, right? 
compared to if you reverse back six months, everybody who was throwing money at stuff had no clue what they were doing, or at least 90% of it. So those 90% of people who lost money already left, right? They're gone. They don't care. They forgot about it. So now it's just like the amount of people that's in the space of one uh, is obviously a lot smaller than what it was a while ago, even though you see like wallets or users or volume uh, change realistically it's like very few people are around in the space right now and the ones who are just bullish long term and that's why they are i agree with you but it does it does i think you actually brought a concept in that i didn't think about which is the context of bear market recession people are not going to be investing in high-risk assets like nfts but uh, my answer to that question is that nfts lack innovation right now like Degen plays and copy paste projects are not going to last and it's not good for the space. Um, and functionally, like what staking airdrops and merch, like that's also not going to last. Like, I don't think those are innovative enough to capture the general public that captures Degens and people who are bullish, but that's pretty easy to capture them anyway. How are you going to capture the general public? You know what I think? I think. Crypto and NFTs blew up so fast where they burned out a lot of creativity in such a short term in such a short term period where now people are just like anything that comes out is just not creative or innovative enough. Like for example, like literally within a span of months, we went from just an NFT to an NFT staking to marketplace to airdrops to coins to utility to PFPs. Right? Like there's no other industry that's ever moved that fast. Right. That's like saying we went from Facebook to Instagram to Snapchat to TikTok in like a one year span. Like that would have never happened. Right. Because they're all so different, so unique. So it's like that's literally what's happening with crypto is such a bull rush. Like every time the bull run starts, it's like you burn out all these ideas and then it's like, fuck, now what? What's the new thing that I can think of? And it gets hard to get to that point. And I think that's so important that you say that, like, you know, we, we've literally had Facebook, TikTok and all one year period. You know, we, we've seen so much crazy stuff happen in the NFT space. But I think really what the next wave of NFTs is, you know, you look at Facebook, they all provide a product that consumers use. Like there there's there's a niche, there's people, there's actual utility that people are going to want to use consumer usage. And so we have an NFT project that's going to have a, uh, a product that customers will want to use on their daily, weekly basis. You know, I think that's the next wave of NFTs. Like, so they're going to come up with a product that will just be able to be used by the masses instead of just a simple profile picture that is a flex because it has that brand reputation in the community is very strong. There needs to be, we need to be able to move past that to where we'll be able to integrate the Web2 aspect, which is the consumer, the product, the physical product in real life to kind of mold that and then to the NFT aspect where the NFT provides that consumer utility no i was gonna say it's gonna come down to like and you're already seeing it right now like for example in the e-commerce industry right like online consumer industry there are specific niches that you go into because they're always going to work health and wellness and beauty right those are things that people will always spend money on because they're always looking to feel better or look better right so, no it's because they're women uh no women make up 80 percent of consumption protein gym stuff like it can be a lot of different things under that category so let me just finish this point in like nft utility specifically i think whoever comes up 
with a product that can integrate into those evergreen niches that people are already using and gives them a better way to utilize that like thing is going to win. And we're already seeing it like with Stepin, right? Like they crushed the Solana marketplace, right? They crushed the Solana drop. They went back on ETH. They did another drop. They crushed that. And why? It's health and wellness. It's allowing people to earn money and it's allowing people to spend money on things they actually are going to do, which is run and stay fit, right? So it's like for anybody who is going to do something that mainstream, that has to be like very well planned and it has to be in an evergreen niche that people are like, you know what, this actually makes sense and it's not complicated. Yeah, what I was going to say is... um... Do you guys think it's possible that, like, I feel like we find ourselves talking about how NFTs are going to expand, how they're going to grow, how they're going to innovate a lot. And I see other people talking about it a lot as well on Twitter, on YouTube, whatever. Do you think it's possible that maybe NFTs are really just for DGENs, people who are trying to make insane money, like insane rates of return by grinding on Discord chats and whatnot? And for huge whales that want to invest in something that will appreciate the huge amount of money that they already have. Is it possible that's really like for me, when you ask someone like if you ask one of my friends what NFTs are, they think it's art and they think it's really overpriced digital art. And for someone with a lot of money, that sounds like an opportunity to grow your money, a safe haven to put your money in, a way to avoid taxes, whatnot. But what is that for an average person? It's nothing. It doesn't provide any value to them. Is it possible that NFTs really are just that, what we're seeing now? I'm going to say no immediately because I I think NFTs, we're just the tip of the iceberg. We just seen, you know, in any type of beginning of industry, there's going to be a lot of BS, a lot of scams. But what I see NFTs becoming is sport tickets, you know, tickets to concerts, tickets to planes. You know, you have so many scalpers that, you know, create fake tickets and rip people off through an NFT in the blockchain. You can't you can't create a fake ticket. And imagine if you go to you get an NFT ticket to the NBA finals and that becomes one of the best games in NBA history. You're going to be able to possibly resell that ticket because it's going to hold that sentimental value to a lot of fans in the fan base. So that's when the value becomes necessary, where it's going to become like a plane ticket, like American Airlines. You buy a ticket to go to from New York to Chicago, for example. You know, that ticket will be an NFT. And as soon as that ticket and you fly from New York to Chicago, that NFT will become burned. So, you know, it's, it was a one-time usage. Obviously, it was a ticket and then it was burned from the blockchain. But that's that digital ledger that it confirms that, you know, you have the true ownership of that ticket. That's where I see the space going for NFTs. Yeah, and I can see companies like Magic, Eden, and OpenSea, like literally having one portion of the volume they have now because it's not going to be a flippers market anymore. Like I doubt NFTs is going to be a flippers industry for that much longer. It's going to get really boring and it's going to get really stable to a point where it's only transactional based, based off utility. And what do I use this NFT for? Whether it's like you guys said, events, tickets, real life stuff, so on and so forth. I hope so. I agree with you. I just don't. I'm getting a little hopeless. Hopeless. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of just stuck in this like culture of like flipping. It's your first bear market. It's your it first is. bear market. It is. And I <laughs> bought the top, so 
Yeah, and you buy the top, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to the top club, I guess. Cool, yeah. great episode. If you guys want to see Alex on the podcast more, drop a comment below. Let us know what other stuff you guys want us to talk about, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.